Oh, my God. 
Tuesday morning at JM in the AM. And I thank you all for listening in and for watching as we continue our broadcast from Venice. The Jewish Unity Initiative of the Nachum Siegel Network continues on this Tuesday. And we are here in the Venetian Jewish ghetto as we commemorate 500 years of the ghetto, which was established back in 1516. Well, so far we've had an amazing visit. Many of you have already heard about the Bartonura presentation on Saturday night of the incredible Jewish music Malava Malka that took place here in the ghetto. Uh, the uh, rabbi of the community made sure to point out to me after the event how instrumental the event was in bringing Jewish unity and in bringing people together and really inspiring the crowd. And a big thank you to David Fadida and Itzik Dadia and Daniela Javiel and Yisrael Sosna and everybody who was a... Uh, a, a major part, an integral part of bringing that event together on Saturday night. Uh, yesterday, on Monday, we had the opportunity to speak more about the ghetto and to uh, introduce special guests, including uh, people who gave us a wonderful tour of the Jewish Museum here in Venice, a significant, uh, uh, a significant site for us to visit and to learn about the history of this incredible place. And today, we're going to have an opportunity to visit with the rabbi in Rebetzin, the chief rabbi of Venice, and uh, and uh, his Rebetzin, Rabbi Mrs. Bachbud, who've been here for the last two and a half years, continue to lead this community and to grow this community, as you'll hear. Uh, and that visit will take place in the main shul where daily services take place in Venice. Later on, we'll be at an art gallery in the ghetto. We'll also have an opportunity uh, to speak to some of the people who live here in Venice in the small Jewish community, and we'll also have a chance to speak to some of the people who've been key to our Jewish Unity Initiative. That's all coming up on a Tuesday edition of JM in the AM. So keep it here. Thank you so much for listening in. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you very much for watching. This has been a very special visit to Venice for us as we commemorate the 500th year of the ghetto, and all of this will continue next right here at JM in the AM. Let's go. 
Thank <laughs> מלך מלכי המלכים, תודה על חיים, על אושר, על בכי, על צחוק. גם כשקשה לפעמים, גם אז אלוקים, אתה לעולם לא רחוק. מלך מלכי המלכים, תודה על חיים, על אושר, על בכי, על צחוק. גם כשקשה לפעמים, גם אז אלוקים. אתה לעולם לא רחוק. גם כי אלך בדרכי חשוכה, בטחתי בך אלוקיי. על חצי שני, על בכור וילדה, תודה גם על אושר בלידיי. תודה על חגים, על שבת ששומרת, שלא ייגמר לעולם. כל יום שעובר, בדרכי לגן עדן, שיביתי אותך מול עיניי. מלך מלכי המלכים, תודה על חיים, על אושר 
כשקשה לפעמים, גם אז אלוקים, אתה לעולם לא רחוק. מלך מלכי המלכים, תודה על חיים, על אושר על בכי על צחוק. גם כשקשה לפעמים, גם אז אלוקים, אתה לעולם לא מלכי המלכים, תודה על חיים, על אושר, על בכי, על צחוק. גם כשקשה לפעמים, גם אז אלוקים, אתה לעולם לא רחוק. מלך מלכי המלכים, תודה על חיים, על אושר, על בכי, על צחוק. גם כשקשה לפעמים, גם אז אלוקים, אתה לעולם לא J.M. in the A.M. on a Tuesday morning. It's the Nachum Sigal Network Jewish Unity Initiative as we continue our visit to Venice uh, as we participate in the 500th year commemoration of the Venetian Jewish ghetto. And we are here with the Chief Rabbi and Rabbanit of Venice, Italy, Rabbi Mrs. Bachbud. Thank you very much for being here. Good morning. Good morning, and thank you for hosting us. and uh, for making this, helping make this a very special visit for us. We very much appreciate it. Uh, tell everybody first where we're sitting. What shul, what synagogue are we in? We are now in the Levantine uh, shul. It's the shul of the Jews from Greek and Greece and uh, Turkey. Uh, of course, uh, Sephardic, uh, Sephardic shul. And we use this shul during the, uh, the winter. Uh, it's a little shul. Uh, proportionally to the other shul, the Spanish shul. And uh, during the summer, that's the one you use, the, uh, the Spanish shul? The summer shul. after Pesach, right. yes, we, we, we use the other shul. Ha, when was this built, this shul? About 500 years ago. And uh, it looks very similar today to 500 years ago? Yes, yes. No, no, the, in, of course, there are many uh, <coughs> restorations during, during the uh, 500 years, but this is uh, about the, the shul was built by the Jews from the Greek and uh, Turkey. Uh, we had the opportunity to daven here on Shabbos, which was yes. beautiful, and it's used every day, as you just mentioned. Um, this, is a, uh, this is a remarkable place, Venice. How long have you been here? How long have you been here in Venice, and how long have you been the chief rabbi? Uh, uh, two, hundred, uh, two, two, two years and a half. Two and a half years. Two and a half years. And what attracted you? How did, you, how did, this, how did this become available to you that you said, I would love to be the leader of the Jewish community of Venice? I have a sister in Venice. <laughs> so when they suggest me to be a chief rabbi of Venice, I accept. It's a, a very interesting place. And so also, also in a, a challenge to be a rabbi in a shoe in, in a town where about... Uh, mm, 100,000 Jews 
visit the, the, the synagogue during the year. Right. So this is the reason because when I, during my speech, I speak in Hebrew also and in, in Italian. And Italian as well, of course. Um, the uh, 500th year of the establishment of the Jewish ghetto here, has it been, for us, it's been very significant. It, it was what uh, encouraged us to actually come and visit and bring this entire story to our audience. Has it been very significant for the community here? Very significant, of course, because uh, the Jews, uh, Jews uh, live uh, in Venice about uh, 1,000 years. Uh, but uh, before they get the ghetto, the Jews uh, uh, lives in Rialto, in another place. But every day they have to also to to move from Venice to Mestre, for example, to to the to the Terraferma, to the. The, the mainland. The, the mainland. The mainland. But during this, uh, after the when the ghetto was built, the Jews have the opportunity to live in Venice, eh? even if the ghetto was a, 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 a terrible uh, condition. Condition. Yeah. But anyway, the Jews cannot can live in Venice, and also the people can visit the ghetto. Or the, also the 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 Christian the. Because the most part of the population, of course, was Christian, but not only Christian, because this is, was a, an international uh, town, uh, Muslim and uh, also Greek and many people from uh, all over the world. You know, uh, it was a, a great pa power uh, in 500 years ago. Right. Yeah. A very significant area of the world, that's for yes. sure. I want to ask um, uh, Mrs. Bachbud, if I may, uh, what, what do you think it is, uh, uh, as a, how do you think it's different to be a chief rabbi in a city like Venice than any other city around the world? Um, the international aspect of it, I think, is, is very important. Um, Jews from all over the world come, make use of our services, the shul, the restaurants, and so on. Um, and so it gives the community a chance to have very intense contact with Jewish realities all over the world, and maybe it's a represent representation of Jewish unity. Um, uh, and yeah, I think that's... I think that's mostly that's it. It also enriches the community itself. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm sure also people. The sense, I'm sorry. Um, the sense of history is always with us. Right. You walk in the ghetto or any of these streets, and you, and you feel remember. like. And you remember. Right. That you could actually see and feel what mm -hmm. was going on here hundreds of years ago. We've picked that up for sure. Um, people hear your accent or lack thereof for our audience and are curious about your own background, where you're from and how you ended up in Italy and in Venice. I um, was born in Canada. I grew up in Philadelphia, uh, so I'm American. Um, I came to Italy um, about, well, 40 years ago. I've lived my entire life here in Italy, in Rome. And um, I was in, I went back. I was back in the states teaching for about four years, and then I came back, and, and we were married about a year and a half ago. And was it something about this country that just uh, grabbed you, or there's something about maybe I was Italian in another <laughs> life? I don't know. There is something about Italy that that, that I found extremely compelling. Uh, this past Saturday night, we had an event that uh, we really wanted to make and did make the centerpiece of our visit, which was a 
a Jewish music Malava Malka to uh, to bring something to Venice that I would assume is not regularly here. You know, artists from Israel in this case who came and inspired everybody. Uh, could you describe what you what what you were feeling as this all was going on on Saturday night? Well, it was it was quite lovely the the the, the involvement. Also, we because we had a group from of uh, Bene Akiva students uh, from all over Italy. And so the enthusiasm of, of youth and their energy and, and gives a real sense of continuity. It was, uh, it was a great night of Jewish unity and something very special. And uh, at one point we stood in the, in the uh, courtyard in the center of the ghetto and said to ourselves, it is amazing that now Jewish music is filling this place, a place that no doubt had a lot of pain in the past, obviously a lot of history, and now we and were able to... a lot of music at the time of the ghetto. And a lot of music in the time of the ghetto. Um, tell me about the future of Venice. Is it going to remain this community as a, uh, as a tourist attraction, so to speak, and continuing to meet people from around the world? Is there an effort to continue to build the community in any way? Because it is a relatively small Jewish community. It's a relatively small community, I think. Since my husband's been here, the number of students of uh, Talmud Torah has gone from about five to about between 30 and 40. Oh, that's a nice sign. So I, I think that's, that's where the effort is. Right. Right. right, getting the young people engaged and getting young the, the, the not very many young people there aren't a lot of young people young people leave Venice the Jews leave Venice as the Venetians leave Venice because there are problems of work and employment right right. Um, that's a serious problem affecting the city itself so of course right. the community is affected as well I'll ask you to pass the microphone to Rabbi Bachbud and I thank you again um, uh, Rabbi can we address uh, what people are watching now on the video <laughs> on our website and that is the setup of this beautiful shul we're not used to this we're the Chazan and the Rav the Chazan, the Rav of course the Kriyata Torah all from up all, here from, yes and in, also in the other uh, shul in Spanish shul and not only in Venice but in other communities the the Chazan pray in the other place in the exa in opposite to the Arona Kodesh. Right. right. So the people, for example, in this uh, shul, the with the women can uh, hear better than uh, in other shul because they <laughs> yes because the Chazan is. It's closer. It's <laughs> closer, yes. That's true. Yes. Big yeah. and, and the people can hear well because Chazan is not on the, near the, the Aron, but in the, in the other side. Right. I think it's very important to... I think that they decided... This one, the... One, the, 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 the one of the main reasons, one of the main reasons, because in the, the shul is not uh, not in the uh, the chazan is not in the <coughs> the center, right. and the other side. Right. So the the people can hear directly the the, the chazanut. Right. Uh, and then on the other end, of course, is the uh, Aaron Kodesh and ZK. You can show everybody who's watching. Um, what the Aron Kodesh looks like. But before, the, before we even speak about the Aron Kodesh, which is magnificent, tell us about all these lamps, all the silver that uh, adorns yeah. the front of the shul. Yes, uh, during 500 years, every family uh, want to, to donate uh, something to the synagogue. Uh, you can see on, on every silver, silver donation, you can see the the name of the family who donated to the the this this uh, 
The specific lamp, the specific right? lamp, yes, yes. All in silver. All, all in solid silver, all, all not only silver, but in, in, uh, uh, in, in, brass. in brass, also in brass. I want to explain what, what we call, we, we have, in this synagogue, we have two, two mechitzot. One is absurd, yes, but the young, 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 uh, uh, girl, because they all can men who can the women who can go Climb up the stairs. Right. Uh, U.S. <laughs> also another mechitza. All Batea Knesset of Venice, of course, is Orthodox. Even if the Jews of Venice are not strictly Orthodox, yes. Right. But anyway, what we try to uh, to offer to all the people who arrive to arrive to Venice is kashrut, very very uh, mehadrin. Yes, in this, in all, uh, all the, the, um, <coughs> in, a, in a restaurant, in the cafeteria, and also, and so on. Uh, it's one of the, uh, the, the town where we have also a, a roof, and a roof. Every five years, we renew, uh, renew, we renew the, the, the roof. <coughs> with the, the, the major mayor of, of Venice. Yeah, we so didn't even know there was an Eruv, and we were very happy to find out there yes, was, yes, so thank yes, you. Yes. Uh, yes. And just to reiterate, so upstairs, I don't know, ZK, if you got it, but that is the balcony, very similar to some of the other shuls we've seen in Venice in terms of how it's set up for the women's section, and of course one downstairs uh, for those who can't climb the stairs. Let's go back to the Aron Kodesh just one more time. What could you tell us about this magnificent Aron? Uh, Aron, you know, in Venice, one of the problems is that it's impossible to use marmo. Uh, marbles impossible. Ma marble, yes, right. because impossible, very difficult. So we have not made so uh, too, okay, too heavy for the too, for the uh, for Venice because right. Venice uh, is uh, is always built, sinking. Yes, uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to put marble on top yes. of a sinking. Uh, I don't know. May maybe in the church uh, they can use, but not uh, here. Not to, we have not so many uh, marble in right. here. Only Arona Kodesh. Only some um, some. Um, uh, some part of the Arona Kodesh, uh, not all the Arona Kodesh on marble, yes. Um, what can I do? I mean, it just, it, it's, uh, I mean, this is an Arona Kodesh that has you been know, here the, yeah. since the beginning or at no. some point during the last no. 500 years? Uh, I don't know, but I, I, I think it's very, very ancient yet. Right. But, but anyway, parts of that Aron Kodesh are yeah, likely from the beginning, yes, correct? Yes, yes. Parts yeah, of the Aron Kodesh are likely from the also beginning. The, the, also, the, 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 the Chazan uh, is one of the, uh, not Italian, not Jews, many, many Christians um, uh, helped the Jews to build the, the synagogue. Yeah. For example, this is maybe Brustolon, Brustolon, one of the major. Uh, one of the sculptures of the ah. Venice, yes. So uh, I think there also a very uh, strict relation between the Jews and the non-Jews. One, of, <coughs> for example, one of the most important rabbis of Venice, Leon de Modena, when he uh, when he speaks in the in the, the synagogue, uh, also many many Christians came to 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 hear. Uh, Leone da Modena, Ariemi Modena, and he wrote his books also in Italian because it, uh, yes, because he wanted the other the, the Christian can understand what the Jews um, uh, do during the, the year. Right, he wrote about Minhagim. And, and, Nagim, yes, and uh, we learned in the and, museum and about the, yeah, uh, the fact the that the non-Jews love to hear uh, yeah, him preach, yes, as you yes. just said, right? Um, the name Lutzato. 
a very important name in the history of Venice, right? Yes, of course, Luzzato is an Ashkenazi, Ashkenazi uh, family from Lausitz, yes. But uh, Ramchal, for example, I, yeah, we have a, a little shul downstairs, Ramchal, Rabbi Moshe Chaim Luzzato, the family of Ramchal, was from Venice, even if Ramchal lived on most part of his life in uh, Padua. Yeah. The author uh, of Misilat The author of Misilat yes. So I think that uh, maybe the name of Ramchal is uh, the international name in the Jewish uh, oh, yeshivot, yeah. yes. That's for sure, and, and, and one of the most famous rabbinic names ever yeah. to come from Venice. Yes, yes. Ramchal, we have also other famous, for other rabbis, Shmuel Aboaf, very important scholar who, uh, Rav who wrote Shelot uh, Tshuvot this time, Maharam Padoa, Maharika, we have many. We hope to renew to renew this uh, uh, tradition, but I know I know it's very difficult. I know it's very difficult, but I think it's very important that the community, even a, if little community, have to be in Venice. This is the reason because uh, I try to open the synagogue every day, right. every morning. You know, even if it's not minyan every day, but we try to organize a minyan uh, during the during the year. During the, the, the winter is very difficult because Venice is the problem of Venice that is that uh, the people who live in, for example, in San Marco, it's not so far, it's not so far, half of an hour by feet, right. but trains, it's very difficult to try to do the synagogue. So. Well, I thank you very, very much. This has been quite an enlightening experience, to say the least. I thank you for encouraging us the last time we saw you in September to come and to participate in what, what, what we wanted to uh, bring to Venice, a little bit of spirit and inspiration. And uh, it is really remarkable to be here, to be here in a place with such a rich history, uh, commemorating the 500 years of the ghetto. All of this together has been a, uh, a, a very uh, emotional experience for all of us. And we should note, by the way, that Venice is just one... Uh, a city in this area that has some type of a Jewish presence. There are other little cities Ooh, around many, that have rich history many, many, in, in many. Italy. There are many synagogues also, uh, also in Israel who use the, the, the synagogues of, of Veneto, not only of Venice and Veneto. The main synagogue of the Italian Jews in, uh, in Jerusalem is near, near to Venice, Conegliano. Uh, so the Conigliano, Vittorio Veneto, so many, many communities, little communities, I think about 50, 50 communities. Yes. So in Israel, uh, many, many are not from, for, not Kodesh from uh, Veneto. Yes. Wow. So uh, before, yes. Ferrari, Ferrari is another place. Ferrari is in, uh, in the south of uh, Venice, but. You know, Italy was uh, is not it was divided in many rep republics. In many, you know, Veneto, Deste, Mantova, uh, Piacenza, uh, Lombardo Veneto, uh, Piemonte. It's, uh, every community has another minag. This is one of the wonderful difference between the minag Sfaradi and. Uh, Minag uh, and Ashkenazi, because of the, the main, the most part of the Ashkenazi have the same minag. Right. But if you go, for example, if you go to Rome, you have another minag. Have many minagim the same, in the same place. Uh, in Ancona, for example, you have Italian, Ashkenazi, Sfaradi, and every 
little uh, community as another minag. Uh, and for example, the, here in Venice, the Venetian Jews want to uh, preserve the, the uh, Venetian minag. So they don't, they don't want the other people pray <laughs> uh, as Hazanim. Yes. Well, that's one of the keys to continuity, right? Yes, is yes, to yes, yes. make sure to preserve the Minhagim and the Nusach. Uh, Rabbi and Mrs. Bachbud, thank you very, very much. Uh, you've been an amazing host for us here in Venice. Uh, we will continue with more on a JM and the AM Tuesday as our Jewish Unity Initiative brings Venice to the attention of the entire Jewish world. And when you visit Venice, you make sure to meet Rabbi and Mrs. Bachbud, leaders of this wonderful community. And you're listening to JM in the AM. Say hello, say goodbye. Tagit shalom lechol adam. Kambaz manim achi kashim. בסוף כולנו בני אדם. גם בלילות ובימים, כשכולנו נפגשים, say alone, say goodbye, לכל אדם שאתה מכיר.
It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 and the FM Dial Broadcasting from Venice. Around the world on the web at jmnam.org and, of course, on the NSN app. Make sure you have the NSN app in your phone, your Android or iPhone, so you're all prepared for our switch, our transition to an all-digital format coming up in just a few days. We're here in Venice, in the studio in Venice. Uh, Alon and Michal Merom are with us. Uh, we are guests in their studio uh, this morning during our Jewish Unity Initiative. Shalom, and thank you very much for having us here. Shalom. Shalom. A pleasure. Tell us about the gallery. What can you tell us about the gallery? Well, the gallery is uh, an exhibit place that is uh, used for uh, exhibitions by Michal and also by other artists. As a matter of fact, we are uh, doing now a mailing to universities in the United States and in Europe to invite them to use the space for uh, exhibitions. 
and uh, it is, I think, one of the largest places in the ghetto. And it has been organized uh, so that uh, it can uh, give some uh, additional culture to the visitors that come to the ghetto. Michal, at some point you felt it was appropriate to commemorate the 500th year of the Venetian ghetto, correct? Naturally, we had the, in, in um, March, there was, were the 500 years of the Venetian ghetto, and uh, we decided to make uh, an exhibition that starts with the founding of the ghetto, uh, which was in uh, 1516, up to uh, the Second World War. So it's uh, the whole history of starting with the establishment of the Jews here by contract through the Venetians, uh, through their lives, everyday life, the professions they could practice, uh, the liberation of the ghetto by Napoleon, and uh, we put in also some uh, festivals and holidays so people can understand. And we're going to see some of those works in a moment as we do a little tour of the gallery. How would you describe the style of art that, uh, that you've used to depict well, these different the scenes? Well, the style is uh, the naive style. It's a style that is um, very good for didactic work. If you want to explain something, uh, the naive style is a fantastic tool. And uh, usually for all my historic work, I use the naive style. Is there anything specifically Venetian or Italian about it, or it's universal? Uh, well, Venetian and Italian is uh, what you can see on the canvases, the, the landscapes, the, the houses. Um, the style is a style that uh, is used in many countries. Right. Okay, so we're going to start by uh, heading toward the beginning of all of this, the 500 years of the Venetian ghetto, uh, the different history and scenes of daily life. You wanted to say, Michal? Yes, I wanted just to add uh, another thing that uh, many times people tell me that uh, the scenes are very happy and in total contrast to, to what is the history of the ghetto. And that is uh, my wife's uh, doing because she is always seeing uh, the half cup full rather than the half cup empty. It's a very good attitude in life. And uh, the way she shows life is really as if it is uh, nice uh, and dandy, but actually the Jews didn't have it so easy here. Right. It was not an easy era, but if you look, and we will in a moment, we'll look at some of the, uh, of the artistic work, uh, it, looks, it looks happy, it looks cheerful, the colors are bright. Uh, there is a certain um, happiness that jumps off the canvas as you, uh, right. as you look at her work. Um, okay, Alon and Michal, you're a fan of colors. Come, let's start with, the, uh, with one of the very first... Uh, pieces. Um, if we could proceed, if we could proceed to the 500, 500 year commemoration. Those of you who are familiar at this point in our audience with what we've been discussing for the last many months, or certainly for the last few weeks, this is in English a translation of the declaration, the contract between the Venetian Jewish community and the leadership of uh, Venice at the time. Uh, declaring that the Jews would, in fact, during the nighttime, be locked in a ghetto. And as the time went on, hundreds of years, until Napoleon liberated the ghetto, uh, thousands of people ended up living 
in that small area that we've gotten to know very well over the last few days. Uh, Alon, you want to tell us, uh, this is, looks like uh, a view of the ghetto. It is the view of the new ghetto, and it shows uh, a chassane, a, a wedding. And uh, Venice is very famous also for uh, hosting many weddings. People come because it's a city of romance. Right. And uh, yesterday we had a French wedding here going on. So <laughs> the ghetto has uh, its own uh, peculiar way of, uh, of living and uh, of uh, doing things. We are off the main mainland land of the main uh, street of Venice but we have still a large number of uh, tourists that come to visit I would presume that the majority is uh, Jewish right and the rest are non-Jewish they find interest in it and they see that it is a place that it is somehow quieter and uh, container than in other places in Venice. Yeah, I'm sure of that. Uh, also, some people don't always get a perspective about the size or lack thereof of the ghetto. I think that certainly helps put that in perspective. Um, some of the scenes here, this is uh, daily life, I guess, in the ghetto, right? Well, this shows uh, the yellow sign that the Jews uh, had to wear to be recognized as such. Right, designated as Jews. And uh, it's something that actually originates uh, from uh, the Muslim world and then was imported into Venice. This is a show that uh, uh, shows the first contract between Venice and uh, the Jewish community. Right, the contract we just mentioned declaring the ghetto, that was the scene depicted by your wife. And this is a very important one, because you pointed out that we have to continue to reiterate that Venice was the printing capital of the world, or certainly of Europe at that time. In that time, for sure it was. Many it? Jews involved. Correct. And uh, actually, Jewish people were not allowed to own presses, but they had to work because they were the only one that knew Hebrew. Right. So they were allowed to work on the presses. The presses at the time, they were close to Rialto. I wanted to point out that you specifically have named this one the ghetto skyscrapers. And the reason it became, they became skyscrapers, in quotation marks, is because the only place or the only way they could build would be up. There was no expansion in terms of the size of the ghetto expanding horizontally. It all had to expand vertically. Correct. In the new ghetto, which is the first settlement of Jews, the synagogues uh, have been built on existing buildings. And because of the structure, the bima could not be in the middle, couldn't support that, so it is placed on one side and on on the other. And the Jews could not expand horizontally, so they could only go up. Build up. And also cut floors in two parts, right. so you have very... Uh, very low ceilings in many of the apartments in the ghetto. As small as the living space was, as you went up, it became smaller and smaller. And again, more of the scenes of the ghetto. Yes, different rabbis uh, with different uh, uh, approaches to Judaism. Uh, some uh, wanted to go to synagogue on Shabbos uh, using gondola, which right. was not really appropriate. <laughs> uh, in this scene here, we see the life of a very famous rabbi, Leone da Modena, Shagat Arieh. We've gotten to know that name a lot over the last few days. He was a great essayist and a lousy gambler. <laughs> and uh, he was a jack of many trades. He just uh, had some 27 professions in his life. Quite a dramatic figure. 
We published uh, an agada made by him. I think that it is over there. Okay, we'll get there in a moment. And it is, uh, it, he made it at that time in three different languages. In uh, Yiddish, in Ladino, and in uh, Italian Hebrew. And it was published simultaneously. I think that was a, a huge accomplishment for the time and the techniques that they had for printing. Well, I can only imagine. Uh, you pointed out to me this is significant because there were Jews who wanted to leave the religion to make life what they thought would be a little easier for them. But then what happened? What was the declaration from the ghetto? Uh, sometimes there were Jews that, uh, uh, as you said, wanted to uh, convert to different uh, spiritual uh, religions. Uh, religion. On the other hand, there were also some that uh, after doing that made some kind of mockery out of it so the city did not allow that and they put this plaque out saying that Jews that uh, had uh, converted to Christianity were not allowed to come back, back to, to the, the ghetto, ghetto. Wow. that is something that maybe could be acceptable the, the, the second part it's a little bit more problematic because it offers a hundred ducate uh, in an anonymous uh, uh, accusation mm -hmm. and the, pay, the money is taken from the money of the accused. So uh, from the legal point of view I think that would be quite problematic today. It certainly sounds that way. This is very significant. We've gotten to know two dates uh, very well over the last few days. One is 1516, the establishment of the ghettos we discussed through the contract. The other is 1797. Tell me about this and 1797. Well, uh, this is the liberation of the ghetto during the time of Bonaparte. Bonaparte came as a general of the French uh, army. army and he gave uh, emancipation to every minor minority wherever he found it. Later on he became Napoleon, it's like Dr. Uh, Mr. Hyde and Dr. Jekyll. Right, two different types of two people. Two different types of people. Uh, we in Venice like him. <laughs> Look what he did. <laughs> he released the Jews. <laughs> the ghetto was closed for almost more than 250 years right. every night. Right. And uh, my point of view is that I think the rabbis also liked that. I mean, as much as... Uh, as uh, difficult as it was to <laughs> preserve tradition. To, not to have Jewish people mingling around nighttime right. in the city. The mask also was born here in Venice because it was uh, the only way that couples that were not supposed to be together could go around without being recognized. Right. So. <laughs> they would dress up. This is a, a beautiful show of the new ghetto, and it is uh, 360 degrees. It starts on the Iron Bridge. It goes through the, one of the bank that was one of the pawn shops that were working. It uh, goes uh, on to the German synagogue. And here we would have to go this way. It goes on the French synagogue, which is the canton in the corner. Then we have the Italian synagogue the little bridge that connects between the new ghetto and the old ghetto, the place where the soldiers are today and uh, they, they guard the ghetto, nothing will happen to it, the Jewish uh, retirement house, and then we have again the Iron Bridge. If you could there. hand the microphone to Michal for a moment, uh, a beautiful depiction of cultural life in the ghetto, all the different things that were going on on a regular basis, some of the businesses that Jews were involved with as well. How long does it take you to put this to canvas, to take a scene like this and bring it to life? Uh, about uh, two or three months. Uh, there are many layers and also you always have to think about the concept. Uh, yeah. 
It's, uh, so if you multiply that by each one of these pieces, we're talking about a lot of dedicated time to this project. Yeah, it took me about uh, a, a year and a half. Wow, pretty yeah. amazing. Uh, as we continue along here, we see some of the uh, uh, Jewish holidays that are depicted. And uh, again, more of the uh, different um, synagogues, right? The German synagogue, the Levantine yeah. synagogue, the Italian synagogue. You have all five up here, right? These are the five synagogues, correct? Yes, these are the five. Uh, no, uh, this is not the five synagogues. This is uh, the life of uh, uh, Rabbi Lutzak. Ah, the this is Rabbi Lutzak. Uh, a very interesting story. Uh, these are the these five, are the five synagogues. synagogues over here. Yes. So this is Rabbi Shachaim Lutzato mm -hmm. and his interesting life. And these are the five synagogues that you have, each one of them uh, depicted on a separate mm -hmm. canvas. In addition, we should point out that you have created two things that have been uh, remarkably accepted around the world and have made quite a hit. One is a, an illuminated Jewish festival scroll. If, Muzike, uh, you have this shot, and you, can, you see all the different scenes of Jewish festivals. Um, Twelve Jewish festivals. Twelve different ones. And then on the other side, as we walk around just for a moment, you have actually gone ahead and taken all 54, am I right, 54 parshiot of the Torah? 54 parshiot of the Torah, and you have gone ahead and created a specific artistic rendering, yeah. uh, an example from each one of the parshiot. Yeah, start You've with the Bereshit over here, and uh, goes uh, right uh, to Vezot HaBracha, which you cannot see here. This is where we are uh, today, in Chayi Sara. Uh, yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> And this illustrated Torah scroll has been uh, well received, as I say, around the world. And many people use it to dedicate to honorees and to others uh, who they want to recognize as part of their organization and give a very special gift. Uh, it really looks incredible. It's also a teaching tool. It's used in schools to teach Torah to children. Well, congratulations and thank you very much for this tour. Um, You're welcome. We've had the pleasure of speaking to uh, really an incredible couple, Alon and Michal Merom, mm -hmm. uh, who are here in Venice. When you visit Venice, you can come and see their gallery and, um, and uh, check what they have uh, to offer. Right now, of course, it is uh, concentrating completely on the 500 years of the Venetian Jewish ghetto. And uh, this has been a remarkable way to look at the last 500 years in a cheerful and very happy uh, depiction. So congratulations, and again, thank you. Thank we, you. We continue with more here at JM in the A. We're in the studio in Venice, where we've already had an amazing visit, and our amazing visit continues here at the studio with uh, Giuseppe Balzano. Giuseppe is director of Beit Venezia, the home of Jewish culture. Shalom. Thank you very much Shalom. for joining us. Nice to have you here. Thank you very much. Um, tell us about Venetian Jewish culture. Um, why, do, why does it need a specific home with its rich history? In order to make to rediscover the Jewish culture for Venetian, for Jewish Venetian, for Venetian, and especially for tourists and for people who are coming here in Venice to, to visit, to discover Venice for, as an Italian city, okay? But uh, specifically, we, we, we wish to let discover the specificity of the Jewish culture here in Venice and to learn to people what it means to be Jewish and to live in, in Venice here and to rediscover all the specificity of Jewish culture in general, of course, and also here in Venice. We've gotten a taste of culture here in Venice, uh, firstly by visiting some of the synagogues yes. and seeing the incredible rich 
mosaic that was formed here by communities from different places mm-hmm. who settled in Venice. Uh, we also were able to see the uh, museum mm-hmm. and some of the beautiful pieces of the rich Jewish history here in Venice. Uh, is there a way to describe the culture of Venice. We understand it's somewhat of a melting pot. It also has this rich history of its own hundreds of years. Is there a way to describe it, uh, how different it is from other places in the world? Um, Venice, for 300 years, and the, and the Jewish community in, in, in Venice, you know, Venice in those times was a little bit like New York today. So it's a, and you use the, the word melting pot, right. and exactly, Venice in those times was a melting pot. So lot with a lot of commerce, a lot of commerce, a lot of traders, a lot of merchants coming from everywhere in the world, from the world, from bringing their own culture here. Exactly, and that the encounter, the meeting of all those cultures that make the specificity of Venice. At what point did it take on its own character? At what point did it become what we know, the way it is today, that it has its own uniqueness? You know, you know. Again, it's like New York today. All it keeps the evolving. It's, it's, uh, it keeps evolving and people with their own culture, they are meeting and they are mixing. And that specific mix is creating the uh, Venetian identity. Is this any different than some of the other cities of Europe because of their own rich history and how, how old they are compared to New York and other places? Uh, you don't have this attraction for people to come and visit and see what it has to offer? The, the problem, uh, you mean in the past or today? Yeah, both. Both. So, in the in the in the past, Venice was a very important city. Okay, today is different. Uh, some people uh, f- uh, see Venice like uh, you know some kind of, of Disneyland, but it's not <laughs> like that. It's a, still, uh, in my eyes, a very important city, uh, able to give to people the the idea what is a multicultural city, what is meeting the other, what is meeting different culture, and um, to to act and uh, and react together in the same way, uh, trying to make things better. So we it was the case, I think, it's not what the case in the past, of course, because in the past it was very different, but the, the, the idea is to, to maintain a cohesion of the society and to go ahead with um, peaceful and uh, wanting to create a, a living together. Right. Is there an appreciation, and you're from Beit Venezia, so yeah. you, can, you can speak on behalf of of the way the Jewish community is viewed. Is there an appreciation in Italy for the Venetian Jewish community today? Because we know, and we've discussed this for the last few days, mm-hmm. there was not always the friendliest relationship. But is there a great appreciation for what the Jewish community has brought to Italy through Venice? One of the problems the Jewish community is a very small one, like the Italian community. You know, 65 million Italian, uh, globally speaking, 35,000 Jewish people in Italy, so very right. small. It's the, the context is very different from the one of France, for, for example. So, you know, trying to put together all the community, the dynamic is quite, uh, it's, it's not easy. I can only imagine. Uh, all right, Beit Venezia is where? Where do people visit you? We, are, we have a, um, an, an office, but m- most of all the time we meet people in the street, here in the gallery, or in the community office, or in the museum. So there is not one center. It's a, it's a net right. in, in the city, you know. Just not trying only to have um, uh, a meeting point, viewing point, but most in rela- we believe more in relation than just a specific office. Giuseppe, did the 500-year commemoration 
help the Jewish community here? Was it the, yes, it's a, it's a very important vitrine for for us to to let uh, to let know Beit Vanessa to the to the public. Uh, it's a very important element. Just one only 500 years, so we try to 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 keep the occasion to 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 to, to, to be seen by people and by Venetian and international. Well, 500 years from now, I hope to have you on for the 1,000th commemoration. Of yes, we are yet preparing the, Already. the, the next one. Yes, the blueprints are in the works. <laughs> uh, Giuseppe, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And shalom. It's shalom. nice to visit with people who are keeping the Venetian Jewish community not just alive, but thriving as well. Are uh, you listening to JM and the AM? Our Jewish Unity Initiative continues on our very special visit to Venice, Italy. It's 500 years since the start of the Venetian Jewish ghetto, and we are here 500 years later to talk about the rich history and the incredible present and the wonderful future. You're listening to JM in the AM. We are here in the heart of the Jewish ghetto in Venice. As our Jewish Unity Initiative continues, we are in uh, an art gallery called Icona Venezia, and Dahlia is with us. And uh, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you. Tell us uh, what exhibit we are looking at now in the gallery. Now in the gallery there is uh, an exhibition of uh, mm, photogra- photograph uh, of Peggy Guggenheim. Peggy Guggenheim uh, has had origin of uh, Jewish and uh, now for the celebration of uh, two, uh, five Hundred years of ghetto, of um, ghetto. Since yeah. the ghetto started, right? Yeah, uh, we would like to report it, uh, Peggy, in uh, ghetto, and in ghetto of Venice. So for celebrated this, uh, uh, for celebrated this, we can take this uh, exhibition. Right. And uh, we started with a, a photo of Mary with an uh, important uh, photo and uh, Peggy Guggenheim had uh, an important um, life uh, she lived in uh, Paris, New York uh, where she was born and uh, she lived also in Venice oh. where she had a beautiful life with a different uh, kind of art uh, and uh, she had opened uh, two art gallery one in uh, New York City and one in Venice uh, where, it, uh, where it was uh, um, her house. Um, before she had uh, um, take her house only for house, and then uh, she was uh, taken for uh, house and museum, and, uh, and finally. And that was in Venice. Yeah. That was. Is there a photograph of that here at the um, uh, exhibit? Yeah, there is a uh, two photo of uh, her museum house. And uh, there is also two photos of um, the art of this century, the gallery in New York City. In New York. Uh, so, this is, so the Guggenheim family has a very close connection to Venice. Yeah. And you've used the opportunity of the 500 years to highlight the special connection that they had and that she had specifically. Yeah. Uh, so when people come, they'll see through photographs the story of her life or the story of her artistic contribution. What will they see? Uh, here, um, the tourist or everybody come here uh, looks like a photo of Peggy right. and uh, with um, some artists uh, she work and um, also there is uh, um, some photo uh, like uh, her house in Venice and her gallery in New York City right. and uh, also there is also another picture of uh, the Salomon Guggenheim Museum in New York City the museum of her um, uncle right very well known 
Um, what's it like for you, Dalia, to be here in the middle of the Jewish ghetto, such a historic place, such a significant place yeah. in Jewish history? What's it like for you being here? I, I assume you're here almost every day, right? Yeah. What's it like for you? Could you give us your feelings when you're walking in the ghetto square and sometimes thinking back about history? Uh, here in Ghetto there is uh, a lot of Jewish people and uh, it's beautiful to look some people different like Venetian so for me it's beautiful like this place because it's different from the other place in Venice and uh, the other place in Italy also right. so and you're also meeting a lot of people from around the world yeah. who are constantly coming here well it's a pleasure meeting you thank you very much and continued good luck with the gallery thank you. Uh, 500 years since the start of the Venetian Ghetto and in this case, the connection between the Guggenheim family and Venice is being exhibited in this beautiful gallery right in the center of the ghetto. Uh, this time each and every Monday through Thursday, Rabbi David Goldwasser, Elon Ishmael, Rabbi Zevin, Rabbi Yosef Alevi, and Esther Basser, Rabbi Yosef Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. What an auspicious occasion it is that Jews throughout the entire world have been brought together in unity in commemoration of the 500th year of the Venice Jewish Ghetto, all part of the Nachum Siegel Jewish Unity Initiative. The Talmud in Brochus relates that when the great Rabbi Akiva would pray together with the congregation, he would abbreviate his prayers so as not to inconvenience others. But when he prayed by himself, one could leave him in one corner of the room and afterwards find him in another corner Due to his many bowels and prostrations, our sages explain that when Rabbi Akiva prayed together with the congregation, the power of the tzibur, the community, was so compelling that it effectively raised his own personal prayers to heaven. However, when he did not join the congregation in prayer, he had to exert himself more in order for his prayers to be accepted. Even the great Rabbi Akiva, on his exalted level, was spiritually elevated by the presence of the minion and the unity that it represents. Achtus is generated by a strong sense of Avas Yisrael, brotherly love, in feeling another's pain as our own. In the time of the great Hasidic master, Rav Menachem Mendel of Kotsk, there was one man that did not show up to the minion. He didn't pray together with the congregation, but rather remained at home. And so one day, the great Rabbi of Kotsk made a personal visit. The man, when he opened the door of his home and he saw the great Rabbi of Kotsk standing there, the person was ready to faint. He never thought in a million years he's going to have the privilege of seeing the great Rabbi of Kotsk at his own home. He immediately ushered the great Rabbi into the living room and they both sat down with the fireplace lit in a glow. The Rabbi said nothing whatsoever. After a few minutes, he got up, he took a stick and moved one of the coals out from the fire put it separately on the ground. They both watched. Eventually, the coal that was separated from all of the others went out and was cold. The, the great Rabbi of Kotsk then got up, said goodbye, and went on his way. The unspoken sermon 
shouted volumes. All of us, we are united in our journey through this world, in our destiny. We share a common goal. May the commemoration of the 500th year of the Venice Jewish Ghetto be a beacon of light to the entire world. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you Morning Chizik. Have a nice day. JM in the AM. Thank you very much, Rabbi Goldwasser. We are in the final half of our final broadcast from Venice. Those of you who've been following our Jewish Unity Initiative, those of you who've been excited for all these weeks about the trip to Venice that we've been speaking about, uh, those of you who've uh, just discovered that we've been in Venice over the last couple of days, uh, all of you together have an opportunity to see and hear everything that we've been able to enjoy and uh, and learn from Venice by going to our website at NahumSiegel.com and checking out the videos that are online. You have a video there of our uh, Monday morning show. You'll have a video there of this show, the Tuesday morning broadcast. And, of course, the video that is the pièce de résistance, as they say in Italy. Uh, and that is the video of Saturday night, Matzei Shabbat, the Malava Malka that really inspired a community and brought a lot of music and great spirit to the Jewish ghetto here in Venice. Miriam al is here. You are set, I assume, to open up with me the final 90 minutes of our visit to Venice during the Jewish Unity Initiative. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Behind us, I am told, by Mark Zamek, is a canal. That's what he says. He says there's a canal behind us there's with boats. water there. With boats. Water. <laughs> with boats <laughs> and water and the delivery boats and ambu boats. And every, saw that before. Yes, and every other type of boat you can imagine. Uh, they're all there in the canal because that's how it works here. That's how it works. You can probably see through our video right now the door of the Gimel Garden. Uh, the backyard of Gimel Garden is a canal. You don't want to walk too far uh, past the gate of the Gimel Garden restaurant. There all right. are no guardrails, by the way. There are no guardrails. No guardrails. And was it Barbara who told us uh, when we were here in September? Kids learn to walk and then they learn to swim. Right, the kids learn to swim immediately because on a regular basis people are falling into the canal because of that. All right, um, let's talk about some of the things that we have learned about Venice that our listeners may not be familiar with yet. But we're about to educate them and then we're going to meet one of the uh, residents of Venice, Italy. Um, One of the Jewish residents of Venice. Venice, Italy. One of the imports. I thought someone was going to say the Jewish resident of Venice. <laughs> okay, uh, number one, uh, have you ever tried to find an address in Venice? Uh, well, yes. I actually. know the answer to that question because yes, I watched have. Miriam Wallach try to find an address in Venice. And, walk and it was in a circles. very, very frustrating ordeal, to say the least. Google Maps does not work in Venice. Houses in Venice are numbered according to districts and not streets. It's confusing. Even for the mailman, it's confusing. The easiest way is to find some type of monument shop or famous building and then take it from there. Or scream loudly and ask for help. And pray the Tali answers. Exactly. Uh, the gondolas, I don't know if you've been on one, I was on one on Friday, uh, and we know that both uh, Itzik Dadja and <laughs> Daniela Javier were on one. Those of you who missed that video, you got to check it out. I yeah, mean, many thousands at this point people, know. Right? Yep. Um, one of the most recognizable symbols of Venice are gondolas, and uh, all this information is, of course, in front of me, but this is stuff I already know, because our, our gondola driver... What do you call a gondola driver? A gondolier. By the way? A gondolier. The gondolier educated us uh, on Friday and told us that each gondola is made of eight different types of wood, 
The left side is longer than the right side for some reason. And the parts of the gondolas are symbols of different parts of Venice, representing six city zones. Then the back part represents one of the islands, and the central part represents the famous Rialto Bridge. You take all those eight together, and you have... A gondola. A gondola. That's pretty cool, actually. It certainly is. Are you going to talk about the, the, the flooding that we learned about? Which I'm not sure is on your pieces of information, but one of the things that we were warned about or given a heads up about when we were doing our preliminary um, work for this Venice trip was that we should be concerned about flooding here in the ghetto. Do you mean Aqua Alta? Is that what you mean? Why, why yes. One should be concerned with Aqua Alta. It's a big problem for the, for the Venetians. Uh, tourists find it interesting and picturesque, sort of like the way school kids look at snow when the adults, of course, can't stand it. Uh, but they, they find it fascinating. Right, but what is it? And what it is is the, uh, the canals are actually overflowing right. d- due to the high tide in combination sometimes with heavy rain. And those canals overflow and alarms go off. Alarms go off in the district. In fact, they just commemorated the 50th year of the 1966 flood here in Venice, where someone told me that that Italian flood, which was not only Venice, was different parts, claimed over 200 Sifretora. Really? Yeah, could you imagine that? No, but when you and I were warned ago. about flooding, we thought that the rain was so heavy, and right. everyone looked at us like we were nuts, like, no, the water comes up from the canal. I said, oh. Well, what happened was, as we were planning the Malava Malka, uh, we were told that, you know, it could be flood conditions, and we're sitting there going, wow, it rains that much? And then, of course, no! <laughs> no! Parenthetically, you, you idiots! Right. <laughs> <laughs> idiot. It's the high tide, because you're on a canal. Right. All right. Oh. So that's one of the problems, right. is water. There are how many canals in Venice, Miriam L. Wallach? How many canals in the entire area of Venice? I'm going to go with 176. 177. Oh, I was so It's amazing how awful you are at trivia. 177 canals. It's amazing how bad I am when nobody preps me. There we go. The S-shaped Grand Canal is the biggest canal in Venice and splits the city in two. And the Grand Canal has on it over 170 buildings. For those of you who wonder how these buildings survive... Uh, being built on canals. There are 170 just on the Grand Canal. Uh, canals were main routes of communication in Venice because there was a time when there were no cell phones, no telephones. I don't know. With the cell service here, it feels like we're in a time <laughs> where there's no There was no, no communication uh, hundreds of years ago. The only uh, method was, of course, to travel the canal and get a message from one area or scream for Tali. to the next. Yeah, that might have worked, actually, in those days. Right. We scream pretty loudly. How many palaces? Because anybody who's been around over the last couple of days during this visit has seen palaces. How many palaces are there in Venice? The answer is, you ready for this? I'm going to stop cheating. 450 palaces. I was going to guess 449. Because at a time, here's my guess based on what I've learned, at a time uh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, uh, this was a status symbol to be in Venice. And many wealthy people were here and literally built palaces uh, to have as either regular homes or summer homes and the like. And now there are over 450 palaces, some of them being used for a whole variety of reasons today. There are hotels that used to be palaces. There's a casino that used to be a palace. There are religious houses of worship that were palaces at one time. Oh, it's amazing how much I know about this stuff. Uh, <laughs> Jamie is very good. <laughs> how many chimps? Have you noticed this? I even noticed this last night. Did anyone notice the chimneys all over Venice? Yes. There are 7,000 chimneys in Venice built in over 10 different styles and shapes. That is very cool. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's a little bit, yeah. And uh, while we're doing this, and those of you who are listening now to JMNAM, you're getting your fill of Venice, of Venetian trivia. Um, you should know that the, the water is not safe for swimming. We do not see people deliberately swimming in the canal. That would be accidentally. Or drinking the water, that is correct. Uh, I thought ZK put in a request to go swimming in the canal. We nixed that? Well, I guess I for wanted... safety reasons we nixed that. Exactly, right? exactly. Venice was not built directly on the surface of the islands. 
Buildings are supported by wooden platforms. I did not know that. Who would have guessed that? Now, wood is not exactly, uh, you know, it's not everlasting in, its, in, the, in, the, in the condition that, uh, you know, that it's... Oh, is it? See? So Simon tells Simon. me... I've gone ahead with a supposition that's completely incorrect. I thought it would it would rot and uh, and um, and would not be able to. As it's in salt water. But if it's in salt water, it's not in your notes. It's not. I'll blame Jamie for that at some point. It's actually Yoni's fault. And uh, Venice is sinking. Venice is sinking every single year. Um, I don't know if people like Barbara uh, feel it. I don't know if you feel the ride, but it's about one to two millimeters a year that Venice is sinking at that rate. That's rough. Yeah. In fact, it's funny because the other. the other night I was sitting here in Gimel Garden during the concert, and I said, boy. I'm shorter. It feels a little wobbly. Here. Oh, that may have been the music that, yeah. was, uh, that was creating that effect. Exactly. Venice is in six districts with 118 islands. How many bridges? You know how many bridges we've walked over during our visits to Venice? It's I don't know. Amazing. I keep walking over the same three. 416 bridges. You have only 413 to go. The it's lagu- not over. The lagoon is 15 meters deep, although I am told that these what canals... What does that mean in terms of feet, though? 15 meters, about 40 feet. Um... But I have been told that most of the canals are only 5 to 10 feet. Right? Does that make sense? About 5 to 10 feet of water in most of the smaller canals. I was going to say, ZK, you'll be yes. fine. For those who are worried about ZK around the canals without the railings, he would be able to stand in most of the smaller canals. Uh, the sea and lagoon, I am told, according to my notes, is in fact safe for swimming. Oh. So you better check that out. Oh, boy. A uh, population of Venice, which we were told at one time uh, 50 years ago or so was 150,000, is now in the 60,000 range in terms of people who live here, most of them senior citizens. And the first woman in the world that graduated, I assume college it was, right? I think that's what we heard. Am I right? Was it a college? Right. The first yeah. college graduate in the entire world was born in Venice in 1646. First female that's college cool. graduate, 1646. That's very cool. And uh, the first public casino in the world, although I don't know who would go there, uh, was opened in Venice in, 16, in 1638. And the interesting fact about that casino... Is that... That was the home of Wagner, correct? That casino was the home of Wagner, the uh, composer... And what else is interesting? Uh, or next door to the casino. I know, I know sure, it's right sure. there along the thing. Nobody's fact-checking you. And, and he died in Venice. The German he composer did. that has played such a role in our, uh, what we grow up and think of, you know, German culture and Correct. things that our, our predecessors may have wanted to avoid. And Wagner, of course, being played in Israel was always an issue uh, when we were growing up. Uh, he actually died here in Venice. And finally, Miriam L. Wallach. Yes, sir. If you're in Venice and you wanted to feed a pigeon, would that be legal or illegal? Illegal. What? How do you know about that? Well, if you're a New Yorker, you're not feeding the pigeons in the first place. And now we get Tali Eliani with us. Tali. Stay where you are there, Miriam L. Wallach. Tali, you're right here. Because I'm sure you have some fascinating questions about what it's like living here. You do. Tali, how long are you living in Venice? Hi, Tali. Hi. Hi. Hi to all the listeners. Um, Thank you. It's been 11 years. A very long time. A Uh, lifetime, actually. Where were you before that? In Israel. And uh, when you first heard about the possibility of moving to Venice and making this a permanent home, I'm, it was you know, my suggestion. I'm was it not your suggestion? Quite sure. Why? Because you just love travel by water? Is that your thing? No, no. I just um, I actually, um, to very, very briefly, I met my husband in Venice right. at a wedding. And um, when he asked me to marry him, I really didn't enjoy the idea of going to live where he came from. So I, and I knew I had to come to Italy. So I. Venice has been the only other place I'd ever visited, so I just pulled it out of my hat and I said, "Well, Venice is nice." Wow. Now, for and my lis- husband said, "Okay." There you go. Uh, yeah. so, so, for listeners of ours who've been following all this and have already started to get a feel that this is a very different type of place, you know, mm. the water transportation, the uh, 
uh, the the fact that you are one of probably one of the capitals of the world when it comes to tourism. You probably see people from all over the place constantly, I especially think it's eleven million tourists a year. Which is uh, yeah, I've heard it's every insane. figure you can imagine. I've heard from ten to twenty four million. Like well, people it's are just insane. It is for insane. a population of fifty plus or sixty thousand. Whatever the number is, yeah. it's, it's just remarkable. It's crazy. Uh, but what about day to day life? Uh, you've been asked, I know, by people who are mm. traveling with us about going to a supermarket, about getting things delivered, about trying to you know, navigate what we normally call you know, the ease of life and, and mm. incorporate that into your own life. What can you mm. tell us about day-to-day -day life here? Okay, well, just to give a really simple example, but one I think that's very relevant to your listeners, is like Shabbos shopping, right? Right. So people probably go to the supermarket, load up their SUVs, right, bring it home, park it in the garage, and then get all their kids to help them bring it all up, right, right. something like that. And then complain about how hard that process was. <laughs> yeah, so it's a little different here. Um, I don't know if any of the people who are with us have noticed, but when people go shopping, they shop very little. They right. shop every day. They have, like, one little bag of shopping, which is, like, crazy. Well, there's but a reason for that. The average family in Italy is uh, one child, so obviously very different than ours. We, Baruch Hashem, we have three children, so it's already kind of a different household. Um, just bringing drinks home is, like, quite a major accomplishment. Lots of bridges, granny carts, you know, shook carts. That's right. how we do it. Plenty of walking. Yeah, but we're healthy. We're good. And the majority of the population do not own boats. A lot of people no, do, but not no, the majority no, of the population. No, no, no. Boats are really a big, like, right. extra heavy thing to add on a day-to-day. -day. I mean, if you leave your boat in the shop because it's being fixed and you leave it there for an extra day, they'll charge you rent for the day. So it's like, it's a bit much of an undertaking to have a boat. You really have to have time to take care of a boat. It's not... It doesn't make life more practical. It makes it less practical, if that makes any sense at all. And yeah, it certainly does make sense. Uh, you mentioned three children. So raising children here, being a Jewish family, what could you tell us about that? Um, it's definitely very different. Look, this is a very, very tiny Jewish community. There is no Jewish school. There is a very small Jewish kindergarten, but it works very nicely. And there's a Sunday school for elementary age children. Um, we, our children also have teachers in Israel that they study with on video, so they're following certain programs. Um, it's not simple, but actually there's something very nice about Venice. It's very, very simple. Everything's very simple. I don't have so much, um, clutter going on. So it's very simple. We have school, we have home, we have meals together, we cook from scratch because there's not that much kosher available, so we eat very well, very healthy. It's kind of like, uh... I don't know how to really explain it to people who live in New York, because I think what I'm saying is almost... Right. Well, we brought you oh, some of the New York clutter, right? Didn't we bring yeah. some of that along Peanut with us? Butter. <laughs> that, that we brought. Uh, do you worry about your children getting older and, uh, and being concerned about their advanced Jewish education? I do worry. Of course it's a worry. It definitely is a worry. When my husband and I came here, we... Uh, we were young, and we thought this was a great adventure. <laughs> but um, we... Didn't think we would get as far as putting our kids in school, but here we are, and they are, in fact, in school. And I think that, you know, yes, we have to do some long-term planning, but you also have to live on a day-to-day, -day, and that does... We take our kids very frequently to Israel. I have my family there, and, uh, yes, we worry, and we try, and we're working on it, and... But it's not, not, not simple. Uh, Tali Aliani is here, resident of Venice. All right, uh, a little bit of a self-serving question. It's rare, I would mm. think that this community enjoys a live Jewish music concert. Mm. It's a rarity, right? Well, um, yeah. 
<laughs> a modern, such a modern music. Yeah, so music, with, that, with yeah. that in mind, yes. what do you think of the spirit here on Saturday night? Oh, I thought it was wonderful. Um, I sh- you know, uh, uh, it was very nice that we had a Bener Kiva Shabbaton here right. at the same time. That really added a lot of simcha. But even the smaller kids of Venice, I think pe- the viewers can see from the pictures, they were rocking it. They loved it. It was really nice. Yeah. Uh, your son, uh, we noticed in synagogue, is actually spending a lot of time next to the Chazan. Does he have a specific right. role? Like, what is he... Uh... So, in Venice, in Venice um, they like to encourage the children, and also, according to the Minhag Sfaradi, so children younger than Bar Mitzvah can say certain parts of the of Tefillah. And so, Izzy is working, indeed, on Kabbalah Shabbat, and so that's where... That's the background for that story. That's He's working on Kabbalah Shabbat. That's his, uh, that's that's his, his aim for the year. Is that the same son that's playing violin? Yes. Doing pretty well, huh? Baruch Hashem. And when you first told him that Daniel Ahaviel would be here, he, <sighs> had, he had known who he was from yes. watching him on videos, etc. Yes, yes. He watched Must him on YouTube. Exciting. He was very excited. I can only imagine. A yeah. uh, special message. You know, it's one of the messages that you gave us on Shabbat. Uh, when, when you were with some of the uh, uh, men and women from New York who were in the square was sort of to appreciate what you have if you're in a major Jewish community. Absolutely. And uh, certainly in the United States, and, and it goes without saying in Israel, if you have an opportunity to live in communities like that, um, uh, people should uh, really put things in perspective and understand what we do have. Is, is, that, is, that, yes. is that the message, basically? Well, I think it's a very good message. Look, I think it's wonderful that people live in uh, big, beautiful communities, and I think the community, certainly in America, really should be extremely proud of those. But at the same time, we would like to be remembered for being Jewish in places where it really isn't very easy. And so um, that, to me, yes, is a very, very important message. Your husband, Moshe, said to us a couple of months ago that it's good we came here for this visit now because he thinks that Jewish life in Venice is going to continue to dwindle and may not even be around five to ten years from now. Do you get that kind of feeling, or do you think there will always be a core of Jewish life in a city like this? Not sure, huh? I don't think there's any way for any of us to tell the future. Uh, After the war, I think this community was about double the size that it is. Um, I think the fact that this community is a very ancient community, and there's certainly very few communities around the world that can boast 500 years of history, but I, on the other hand, I also think that that, in a way, you know, weighs down the community, and they're not, they don't feel as free to innovate or to modernize because of that great history and and connection that they have to the past. And you know, it's a pro and a con, depending on what you do with it, and it'll remains to be seen what they'll decide to do with it. I'm afraid. Right. Um, it's impossible to know. But we had lots of kids here on, sh- on uh, Motzei Shabbat. Yes, and all those did. elementary age school children were all our children. So, I don't know, there are probably about 30 elementary age school children here now. It changes all the time. Every time a family leaves, I think, oh, this is awful. And then all of a sudden, another one pops up. <laughs> so I just say Baruch Hashem, and I try not to worry because I feel like Hashem is always, always watching out for us, really. This is a place where you're so broken down to the bare bones of everyday life that every single thing is appreciated in a way. And you feel Hashem every single day that I almost don't know what I will do when I move to a place that's so Jewish and so rich with Jewishness because I, I think I'm going to miss that. Wow, interesting. Any yeah. of your kids want to say hello to our audience? What do we have here? Hi. Yes or no? Yeah, why not? Especially for our video. Let people see the young Jewish life hey, here hi, in Venice. New York. <laughs> She's well. very shy. All right, so one thing I learned, the average, um, the average grocery 
Uh, trip for Tali yields about three, four items. For Moshe. Average for Moshe yields three four items. Average grocery trip for Miriam Wallach about yeah more than that more than three four items. That's what I don't I'm know. I didn't say that we do it like that. I said the average Venetian right. I understand. Like that. That. We do you know bigger cars, but of course we have to break it down because there's only so much you can carry. Right? right. I understand that. I'm just comparing it to uh, people like us who could fill two yes. two carts in a grocery yes. store and then schlep it home right. you know in an instant. So right. it's a different type of life. The cost of living, cost of food, cost of transportation. Right. I mean, besides the fact that we're we've been translating everything into euro, which right. is a totally different mindset. Right. Just the cost of everything yeah. just makes it that much more cumbersome just to live life. Absolutely, this is a city. I mean, of course, if you lived off Venice Island, like in Mestre, the cost of living is at least a third cheaper. Which is crazy, but there's no shul in Mestre. Right. So what would you do? That's like a whole other existence that really. I mean, we're already on the bare bones. Really, I don't think we could do less than this. Can I ask you one other philosophical question, although sure. you're here 11 years already, so I don't know if it strikes you as much as it would someone like myself who's only been here a short period of time uh, as a visitor, but are you intrigued by the human ingenuity that it took to create the entire system of the transportation, bridges? communication, yeah. bridges, and just in general to build a city like this? Well, coming from Israel, I'm not sure I find this ingenuity <laughs> um, <Good point. laughs> this as I understand it is 400 islands connected by bridges some of the streets that you will see that have the word Rio right. before them are actually canals that have sort of been filled in you may have done this in your trivia before I'm right. not quite sure they were canals but they had been what we know is landfill, landed right. right so um, yes I take my morning walks every morning so you and do think of it sometimes it's pretty well, even if it's not remarkable or ingenuous, it's very, very beautiful. There you go. It's Especially pretty in the cool. morning light. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's hear it for Tali Eliani, thank everybody. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. And thank you for all your help. Greatly appreciated. And I'm glad your family was able to enjoy the wonderful Malava Malka this past Saturday night. Speaking of Malava Malka. How about a selection from Itzik Dadja as we continue our Jewish Unity Initiative in Venice? This is the Nahum Siegel Network.
That's Itzik Dadya, who we enjoyed tremendously this past Motzei Shabbat, right here at Gimel Garden, where we are in the center of the Jewish ghetto of Venice. Thank you to Itzik Dadya, David Fadida, and to uh, Daniela Javiel, and to Yisrael Sosna, and everybody who was uh, here in attendance. A lot of great people from the community came out to enjoy, to be inspired, and to really have something that uh, is a rarity here in Venice, a, uh, a rockin' Jewish music event. Uh, Shaul Bassi, who is originally from Venice. Yes, correct. Is here with us. Uh, he is the, um, a member of the Jewish community here, member of the Jewish community leadership. He is a, a member of the committee for the 500-year commemoration of the ghetto, which, of course, was established in 1516. And uh, you also had a major role in, a, in, in an event that got international attention in regard to the uh, reenactment of the Merchant of Venice. We will talk about that in just a few minutes. Um, so you, as you just told me off the air, you're a member of the Venetian community from birth. The synagogue we were in, you have prayed in many times. Yes. And you grew up right here. What is it like to grow up and be a child in Venice? Well, when you grow up, you take it for granted because that's your, you know, all you your, know. Your, all you know. It's our playground, and uh, but I've seen it changing a lot, and uh, so it took many years to realize how important this place was not only for us but for Jews worldwide. How far uh, from here did you live when you grew up? Uh, I don't know, twenty minutes. Twenty minutes. Twenty minutes. So. Yes, yes, because my family right. came in the ghetto in the late 18th century. Uh, so they chose to come to live here when it was already... An right around the time of the liberation. Of the exactly. Ghetto. So 
chances are that they want to be in a nice Jewish neighborhood, but without the gates. Right. Yeah. And the gates were open at that point. The gates were open at the point, and then they came, and then... So you have point. real roots here. We're talking about 200 years, 200 plus years. I'm sure you know there are families that can, you know, trace their right. origin back. But, yeah, so we still. don't meet all of those, you know. No, no, still. Here, still, here we have yeah, a chance still. to meet somebody right, yeah. who represents <laughs> over 200 years of, uh, yeah, yeah. of, of Venetian And I can also claim a Sephardic ancestor from the, the grandmother's side who was here in the 16th century, so I also have some pretty, claim to the... That's pretty remarkable. Do you travel a lot, or you spend most of your time here? Uh, I spend most of my time here, but I love to travel, and you know, just you know, this year in particular. So I've you know how unique this city is. So totally, you know, totally. it's not you, it's not duplicated anywhere else around the world. Well, actually, it's duplicated in many places. There are oh, a lot it? of you know, a lot of replicas of Venice in China, but this is the yeah, real but thing. you know what I mean. This is the real thing. <laughs> yes, this is, <laughs> this is unique. The, yeah, this is this the authentic one. That's the authentic one. Uh, at some point, and and we discovered back in March, as we've told the story many times, uh, that that the community was going through this 500th anniversary, this 500th commemoration. Uh, of the um, of the ghetto, at that time uh, we made contact with Barbara and started our own efforts to come here. Uh, it, it, was this naturally an event that was not going to pass without a tremendous amount of attention from the Jewish community? Was this a concerted effort already for years to make sure to commemorate the number of 500? Uh, not really, uh, not really. Actually, I think that the idea needs to be credited to an American and that would visitor. Be? Uh, I was uh, um, a professor from California who was here as part of an educational program. It was back in 2008. And I remember clearly the moment where she raised her hand you know, during our brainstorming session and said, well, you know, in a few years it will be the 500 years. You should do something about it. So the idea is long in the making, but I, I, to be quite honest, I don't think that uh, everybody was truly enthusiastic. Right. So what actually happened. It huh? actually happened. And, uh, but I think the important point is that eventually the community leadership appreciated that this was a unique opportunity to build for the future. Right. So the important thing is that you know it's about the future, it's not about the past. I've seen a couple of documentaries on the ghetto. I saw one that specifically dealt with the memorial that was set up for the for World War II, uh, uh, in memory of those from Venice who were taken to concentration camps and, and who never returned. Um, and we've seen you know other historical elements uh, be commemorated here. Uh, is there a and and of course that memorial that hangs on the wall of the ghetto one would say is really the centerpiece of the entire story at this point in history of that era was there something that happened during the 500 over the last few months where you said to yourself this really symbolizes what this commemoration is all about well, um, first of all, I'd like to say that you know the, 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 the Shoah, what happened here as everywhere else in Europe, is of course the, the darkest page. But I would not that to be, I would not like that to be the defining aspect of the ghetto. Right. And in fact, I object to the idea that the ghetto was, uh, in a way, the uh, conducive to uh, the um, to, 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 to Auschwitz. In fact, you know, the Jews were deported and, and, and rounded up and taken to Auschwitz at a time where the integration looked at its peak. And uh, it's like, you know, my grandparents felt that they were Italians like everybody else, except they were uh, Jewish. Jewish or Israelites, as right. they called themselves back then. So, in a way, it's a kind of self-serving point because I was uh, very involved in the, <laughs> in the project. Right. But the Merchant of Venice, to me, was important, not because the Merchant of Venice is a Jewish thing. The Merchant of Venice is very much a non-Jewish thing. Right. But because it recreated a sense of the ghetto as a place where um, Jews from all over the world gather. 
and they discuss and they debate and they do fun things together. And it brought Venice again to the front and center. Exactly. Hold the thought for a moment. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org, of course, on the NSN app. We're speaking with Shaul Bassi. We're here in Venice, final hour of our visit for the Jewish Unity Initiative. On the heels of an amazing program this past Saturday night, I'm Lava Malka, that uh, uh, brought uh, wonderful spirit and inspiration to the Jewish community here. Uh, Shaul is a member of the Jewish community leadership. He's uh, one of the coordinators uh, on the Committee of the 500 Years. And now you mentioned the Merchants of Venice. I asked you about a highlight, and you bring that up. Uh, it happened when, the reenactment, and did it happen right here in the center of the ghetto? It happened right here in the last week of July, and it ran for five days. It didn't rain, thanks God. <laughs> <laughs> Big crowds? Big crowd, yeah. It was a uh, full house every single night. To reenact the Merchant of Venice. Merchant of Venice staged in an English language uh, international production, first time in history. So the first time that Shylock, the most famous Venetian Jew of all times, whether we like it or not, was you know just having his own story staged right here. And it was very much an international effort. This is something which is very important. So it's something that we came up with the, the idea. We, we came up. It was a New York thing because right. it was a New York company. Explain the, the role of, uh, of uh, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg in all of this. Um, uh, as a collateral event, but then became also uh, an extraordinary event in, in its, uh, of its own, um, we also had a mock appeal. You know, famously in the play, Shylock is sentenced to convert to Christianity. Right. And the play is fictional, just to remind our listeners. The, <laughs> this was the point. No, we said, you know, Shylock's ghost has haunting this place for a long time. Right. So we used the opportunity to show the difference between the real Jews of Venice and the fictional Jews of Venice. No 3,000 ducats, three ducats, and things like that. So the... Um, um, the, 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 in the play, there is uh, a trial, uh, there is a verdict, and so the uh, great idea that uh, uh, we came up with and we were recommended was that to have an appeal. Right. And the appeal was presided over by no a less than... A real 21st Ginsburg. century appeal process. A real 21st century appeal pro with three lawyers right. representing the characters and a, a panel of uh, five judges, and uh, uh, the president was no less than the extraordinary Extraordinarily generous Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So that, you know, who had lunch right here. Uh, in Gimmel Garden. In Gimmel Garden, yes. One of the highlights. I'd like know. to know what table. Um, <laughs> so now, uh, how did it end up? How did the appeal go in the end? Well, the appeal, unsurprisingly, was that <laughs> Shylock didn't have to convert. <laughs> didn't have, you know. He, was there a celebration in the ghetto? When no, there was no celebration. You know, it was, know. Uh, yes. And, and Portia, who, you know, just uh, was instrumental in, in the sentence, was um, sentenced to going to law school because she pretended to be a lawyer when <laughs> Yes, That's one way of handling it. Um, Shakespeare, when you grew up, was a was a uh, a bad name. Uh, the, it didn't matter. It was the Merchant of Venice. Was no, not, uh, actually, the Merchant of Venice was not a big thing, right. you know, big deal. You know, if you go to Verona, there's you know Rome, Romeo and Juliet right. pop up everywhere. Here it wasn't. Some people also were a bit nervous about including the Merchant of Venice in this commemoration. They right. say there's nothing to do with the Jews, and I said, well, you know, there's no doubt that the Merchant of Venice has been used for anti-Semitic purposes in many places and many times, but it's also true that it has generated a lot of interest and sympathy even right. for the Jews. No question about so, it. So, you know, we have to deal with it. Right. 
and you'll never know where his presentation will pop up. There's always a, a, a role for Shylock in so many different venues yeah. that we've seen through different cultural uh, you know, areas. So. We, ha- we had five Shylocks in the production itself. You know, it was an experimental oh, production. E- each, yeah. each one had a different one. Yeah. No, no, no. Oh, what do you mean? Every night, right. the character of Shylock was played by five different actors alternating in the scene. So oh, in the scene itself? In the scene itself, yes. Um, all right, so 500 years. I'm assuming that now that it's the November, it's essentially coming to a close, all mm-hmm. the commemorations, correct? Um, at this point. Well, if we're looking at the you know, big events, yes, that's correct. But in many ways, the whole process is only happening now because the major project is the whole restoration of the synagogues, mm. the renovation of the Jewish Museum. So this is a process that started this year but could not conceivably end by 2016. So we're looking at you know, uh, a few years where we really build for the future of the community. And the future of the community, I think, has been tested this year. And the main point is that the future of the community depends, as far as I'm concerned, on the interaction between those of us who live here and those like yourselves who visit. Right. And so this is a kind of mechanism that we hope we have activated and that should continue. And one of the points that Barbara made to us on more than one occasion is that the uh, government here, the government uh, in Venice has been instrumental, has been helpful, has, been, has had a role in, in bringing this 500th commemoration to the world. Well, within the uh, economical constraints that they are at, because this is not... uh, But it's very important that the city wanted to be a protagonist of this commemoration. The ghetto was not just something... They wanted a part of it. Yeah, it's not something just of or for the Jews. This is really part of the city heritage at large. So I think one major, major difference, you know, between now and the times where I was growing up, that the ghetto was not perceived as something that really belonged to the city as a whole. Right. Right now, there's no question that it's really felt as a fundamental component of, of Venice. And I would guess that touring companies and those who suggest places of interest to tourists are much more including the ghetto in those plans when um, people come here. Absolutely. And, of course, there's a major role played by Jewish visitors who make a point right. of, of visiting the place. And it's right. important that they in- appreciate the many uh, layers that are here. I, um, what we're, we're really concerned about is that, of course, you know, you come to the ghetto, you don't mistake this ghetto f- with other ghettos from Eastern Europe or ghettos that were only created in the, in, during the war. And that you can also appreciate, you know, we never want to depict the ghetto as a positive place in right. general. But right. there are so many things that happen here, the synagogues, the cross-cultural exchange, the intellectual debate, the, the learning. The, so those are things that need to be really celebrated. Right. Jewish life in general, even in difficult times, has a habit of having real life and celebration to it. The so. Jewish creative, yeah. I think, right. you know, the slogan that I think I've, I think I've used most frequently is, you know, we're not celebrating the ghetto, we're celebrating the amazing creative response that the Jews offered to the creation of the, the ghetto and its limitations. Shaul Basi, what a pleasure meeting you. Thank you My so much pleasure. for joining us today. Thank you for coming. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, thank you for welcoming us. Um, yet another... Uh, perspective on the 500 years here at the uh, Venetian ghetto as we broadcast our final hour of our Jewish Unity Initiative to Venice uh, from the center of the Jewish ghetto. More coming up on this JM and the AM Tuesday. We've been featuring the uh, music of Itzik Dadja because he has uh, he has really brought a tremendous spirit to this area uh, through the Malava Malka this past Saturday night. This is a duet that he has with Ohad, Itzik Dadja for you at JM in the AM. More coming up from Venice. <laughs> 
קטן וקור קלה. כל מצהלות חתני מחופתם ונרים ממשתה נגינתם
J.M. in the A.M. That's Yaakov Shweki. Before that, it's Igdadio with Ohad. I want to thank Ohad, by the way. He was one of the people behind the scenes over the last couple of months. I was instrumental in getting our music together for our Venice adventure. I want to take this opportunity to thank Gimel Garden. ZK is going to pan down to this incredible dish. It's just one example of the delicious kosher, <laughs> excuse me, kosher Venetian cuisine which I probably should not have had before I started this segment. Uh, the uh, delicious Venetian cuisine this is just one example of that. We have brought along with us to um, Venice an amazing team, many of whom you know, our producer for these, uh, for these shows, including our Bartonura show yesterday, on, uh, I should say on Sunday rather, uh, and our uh, broadcasts uh, from Venice, the one and only Mark Zamek. I want to thank Mark. I want to thank our staff at the Nahum Siegel Network, including Mary Mel Wallach and Jamie Turkel and um, Yoni Pollock 
And uh, a special thank you to ZK, who always is the one who gets the least amount of sleep on these trips. Um, and knows that it's, uh, it's in fact, very difficult uh, to get any rest when it comes to these trips because of all the uh, different things that have to be done behind the scenes. So thank you, ZK, our chief engineer. Uh, one of the members of our team that has uh, been added recently, uh, in the last year or two, and has really um, enhanced our experience in places like Venice because of his abilities and his unique capabilities, is Mayor Cruder. Mayor Cruder is a, a photographer, an artist, uh, somebody who um, has an eye for things that I think is beyond what the normal person sees or comprehends when they see something, and has been able to capture that in both photography and in artistry. Thank you for being here with us, and welcome to the show. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. Um, it's obvious from those who have seen your work or will see your work based on this journey that um, you have a unique perspective when it comes to the photographic aspect of all of this. I ask you, in terms of being here in Venice and being part of this mission, what are your impressions of this community and this entire effort that we made to bring to Italy? Well, first of all, uh, aesthetically, totally overrated. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Venice is amazing. It's gorgeous. And um, to, to, to listen to some of your last guests who have uh, an opportunity to spend so much time here, it's, uh, it's amazing that they live here and, and um, participate. And so getting to know them through your Jewish Unity Initiative is a wonderful experience for me. I, I always like to meet people and just stop and just talk to random strangers. So um, for me to have an opportunity to do that here and to make them not strangers anymore, to make them a part of our greater community, is very special. I keep emphasizing how unique this place is. Um, like I say, you have an, an interesting perspective when it comes to visuals. Do you agree that there's a uniqueness here that's uh, to be admired? Absolutely. Absolutely. Last night when we were coming back from the, uh, the vineyard, uh, we had to take a water taxi in the middle of the night. And <laughs> just standing out there going up and down different canals, normally you're on a boat and you're kind of in the middle of the ocean or maybe you're going down a river. But uh, to go up and down so-called streets uh, on a boat is just uh, something very special. And uh, uh, I hope I was able to do it justice by... Uh, capturing with my camera. You know? Well, I think the majority of our team agrees that you've done a lot of justice to the, uh, to the incredible visuals that we've seen, and you're going to be preserving these memories for us uh, with what you've done. Um, is there anything artistically that you would want to pursue based on this journey? Is there anything that you either picked up or learned or, or noticed about Venice or the, uh, the Jewish community's uh, uh, edifices, the architecture of the synagogues, etc., that you're going to be bringing back with you? Of course. Um, I think uh, a lot has been made of the uh, different shoals around here, the synagogues, and um, I, 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 I'm inspired to paint them, but I think that um, that's been done already. So I'm looking to perhaps make a body of work myself as a, as a painter, as an artist, uh, with some of the uh, historic Judaic objects that are in the museum. Um, there is just... A, the, when we went there... Uh, Arab Shabbos, I was amazed by the amount of um, the, the amount and the quality of what they had, and uh, I think I, I would like to do something that's a little bit contemporary, a contemporary twist on these traditional objects. So that's my plan, at least. It's a great goal. Um, you've really, like I say, you've enhanced these journeys for us, the ones that you've been on. We greatly appreciate it. And anybody who wants information about what you do, they can go to cruder.com, K-R-U-T-E-R.com. Enjoy your work, and uh, 
I, I would love to be able to say to everybody out there that you're so far beyond the average wedding bar mitzvah photographer, but I think people need to see what you do in order to appreciate that. So if they go to the website, they'll be able to see some examples, right? Some. <laughs> some examples. <laughs> New website coming soon. Oh, even even better. Uh, Mayor Cruder, everybody. K-R-U-T-E-R. Dot com and he gets a nice round of applause from one of your close comrades on this trip, ZK. Could you imagine? Yeah, he doesn't let me sleep either. <laughs> That's true. You're another person I should have pointed out is getting very little sleep. Uh, thank you very much. More coming up as we'll visit with some of the uh, key figures in our Jewish Unity Initiative who can start comparing some of the journeys we've been on because uh, they have been part of at least four that I can count, maybe even more, but at least four of our Jewish Unity Initiatives. Eitan Katz is next. You are listening to JM and the AM, and we are live in Venice for our Jewish Unity Initiative in this very special journey.
That's Ohad, who we've been uh, thanking this morning as well, uh, here at JM in the AM Tuesday broadcast. Two special guests, uh, people who have been so instrumental in our Jewish Unity Initiative, two of the people who have gotten what our mission is all about. Uh, and they both, at one point, were from West Orange, New Jersey. Now one of them is from Jerusalem, Israel. How do you like that? And I, of course, refer to uh, Mr. Simon Jacob, who's here in Venice with his wife, Barry, and uh, Dr. Joe Rosazada, who's here in Venice with his wife, Lori. Welcome to both of you. A pleasure to speak to you here in Venice. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Good morning, Nachum. Good morning, good morning. Let's, uh, let's do this first. Let's talk about this trip, then we'll talk about the overall mission in a few minutes. Uh, we had some wonderful things that went on here. I'd love both of your impressions of what happened on Saturday night, and then we'll start talking about some of the things we saw uh, between Sunday and Monday. Uh, Dr. Joe Rosazada, what do you think of uh, what happened here on Saturday night? Saturday night was really, really amazing. Um, you know, just just watching these kids, that was the highlight for me, at least. That Actually, the kids and the older senior citizen people that were in the audience the way they were dancing they were just getting up and shaking and and dancing and you know the kids were jumping up and down i don't think they've ever ever experienced something like that because i thought it was like you know like at first they were worried to do something and then little by little through the night they really jumped up and down and and going crazy which was really amazing to see from the little little child to you know 80 90 year old men and women yeah the show was really for people of all ages wasn't it <laughs> it really was yeah. i would say from nine to ninety and the truth is i think there were people younger than nine and people older than ninety who were here enjoying it uh... simon uh... you always have a unique perspective because like we discussed when it came to the parish show you insisted on being with the people up in the balcony while all of us were downstairs when it came to the show on Matzah shabbat you got to see it not only uh, by being a member of the audience you got to see it as somebody who videoed the entire proceedings for us you're one of the people we're indebted to that folks can actually watch a beautiful video of what happened during the Malava Malka. What were your thoughts? <laughs> How hard ZK's job is. <laughs> That's first of all, with all of these guys dancing back and forth, it was almost impossible to keep them in frame. But besides that, it was amazing being on the dance floor with, uh, with, with everybody. And, and especially... Uh, Having all the members of the Venice community um, represented and all of them together dancing was just uh, amazing. It was an amazing, uh, an amazing evening. It honestly, when the rabbis got together and um, and went hand in hand dancing with all the kids, I started to cry. It was very hard to focus. Um, it was just really beautiful. And you know, it was an, our luck. You know, like I always say, God is the ultimate producer, so nothing's by coincidence. But uh, the Bnei Akiva students, the youngsters, were from all over Italy. So we had a chance not just to unite Venice, we had a chance to really bring Jews together from all of Italy, a unique opportunity for us. And again, the one above, I'm sure, <laughs> arranged all of that. It, was, it, it, it truly was, it truly was uh, unbelievable to, having, to have them all here they lit up with the with the music that was provided i don't think we i don't think david fedita could have <laughs> organized the music any better 
Could not have um, done more with he, what he had. He could not have possibly done more. And But he also knew exactly what to do with it. He knew exactly which performers would light them up, and it they did. And everybody just responded. Simon Jacob, Dr. Joe Rosazada, they're both here with us. Let's speak for a moment. It's no secret, and both of you, both of you um, know what it's like to um, instantly show your support and your enthusiasm for a project. It's no secret that the what we now refer to as the first formal Jewish Unity Initiative was when we expressed the desire to go down to Houston after the floods, and Simon basically said, okay, let's, you know, let's make all the arrangements. Um, in this case, it's no secret to either of you that we went to two different people and entities. The first, our American chairman, Mr. Leon Goldenberg, who we thank profusely, who has tremendous enthusiasm for Venice and just, you know, was, was over the moon to, uh, uh, to oversee our mission here. And we regret that he wasn't able to make the trip with us. And the second was the people at Bartonura. The people at Bartonura, and we have some of their bottles right here on the table. <laughs> the people at Bartonura, when they heard we're coming to Italy and we had this mission to accomplish, uh, they said, hey, whatever it is you need, let us know because we're 100% behind it. So it's, it's, to get a reaction like that is wonderful. On Sunday, we actually took a trip to the Bartonura Winery. And uh, Joe and I, from a layman's perspective, get to speak about it. You, obviously, from an expert perspective, Simon, get to speak about it. So, Joe, first, what do you think of the long journey and the many hours that we spent both on the road and at the Bartonura Winery? Besides the fact that we came to Italy, that was my one of the highlights. <laughs> Not because, I mean, we went to Bartonura, it was amazing to see, but the fact that Simon said, <laughs> and this is very important, I want to make sure that everybody... I hope Jay Booksbaum is listening. Jay Please, Jay Booksbaum, be listening. I will never, ever <laughs> make fun or say anything else about Bartonura wine when you're having it on Shabbat. So Simple I just want to make sure you know that. But really, honestly, it was it was really amazing to see the whole process. It was it's like at an enclave of kashrut for sure in the that, middle of nowhere. That was a, really really. It's like a like you know. And he said that like you know there was like mashgichim that really sleep like a, a, right, a, a right house away right. because they need to make sure that like you know at the time of fermentation whatever it is that they got to be there, which was really amazing to see how they sealed and everything. It's like and the guy is not Jewish, you know, and he respected everybody like so nicely like the, yeah the whole thing was like amazing for me to see how much respect he had for the mashkichim and and it was amazing to see no question about it and simon you're somebody who enjoys and uh it, it always loves being introduced to brand new wines especially on the fancy wine side and yet you had an incredible appreciation for bartonura i have uh, i tend to like drier um less sweet <laughs> yes, less sweet, less sweet wines. Um, but to be honest, uh, I got a, a huge appreciation of um, Moscato d'Asti uh, from the Bartonora people. The thing that was amazing to me there was that um, that they supported this so wholeheartedly. You know, it's hard to imagine coming to Venice and doing a project and a program in Venice. The thing that's beautiful with it is that if you've ever been to Venice before, which I had not, you immediately uh, realize how special the city is. And I know the Bartonora people 
know that, even though they're halfway across the country, right. even though we drove halfway across <laughs> the country to get there. They knew how special this would be to be in Venice, and that they supported it, and that they helped, that the people from Kedem and Royal supported it and helped from the United States um, is just, just tremendous. So, really, that they... That they reached out to this Jewish community and allowed us to come here and do this project and program. Uh, it, it, it's very special. There's two other really quick perspectives I have. Mm -hmm. um, one is a silly perspective. Uh, in America, we have satellite dishes on top of all of the buildings, on top of people's homes and what have you. In Venice, they have them as well. But they're orange, and they match the orange uh, color of the roofs. Why they don't do that in America, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I just, I just want to tell you, it's, it's beautiful. You don't notice them because they blend into the roofs. So it's, it's very cool. That's one perspective. The second is um, a perspective that uh, Mayor Kruder brought up, actually, uh, before, that when you walk around the churches... And really see the level of um, Christianity here and all of the icons and statues and, and what have you. Um, and that the church really limited what the synagogues could use to build. They weren't allowed to build with marble right. within inside them because the church had an edict that only the church was allowed to do that. Jews were not permitted. Uh, it, gave, it gives you a real perspective. These are things standing today. These are, these are synagogues that are being used today by the Jews of Venice. Um, and, and you can see the impact of that today. Uh, it, it brings back the history very vividly to you. And, 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 it's, and it's special to see. Uh, the museum here is an incredible museum. It needs as much support as it can get, and I'm happy we were here to highlight that and to help the museum in any way we can, but we also are pointing out that they could really use the help and support of the broader Jewish community. Uh, you'd think that they'd get a lot of support from people, but they really don't. Um, so that's something that you know we, we wanted to highlight as well. But it's just, it's, it's been a totally eye-opening, amazing trip from many perspectives. All right, so. Simon, uh, where does it fit in? No, 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 stick with you for a second. Where does it fit in? Houston, stay wrote. Uh, the streets of Yerushalayim and Tel Aviv had a very important time. Uh, obviously, Paris, which uh, which probably got the most international attention. Where does this all rank with all of those? Very straightforward. Very straightforward answer. It's something again. I realized in the balconies in <laughs> the shul in in Paris. We're Americans. We were French people. We were Israelis. We were all singing in Hebrew. Bottom line is that we're all Jews, and couldn't have been more noticeable here. There are so many languages that came by us here, not just Italian, but there's so many tourists and so many people speaking all different languages, and they're all Jews, and we're all Jews, and the bottom line is that we really need to make sure that Jews know the message of Ahavat and Ahadut Yisrael. And that's, that's bottom line across all of those venues.
even in Belgium, even in London. <laughs> no matter where we go. No matter where we go. It, we're all Jews. So, Baruch Hashem. And Dr. Even Joe. in Iran. <laughs> even in Iran is right. And Dr. Joe? So, let me, let me start by, like, really honestly, sitting on Shabbat morning in one of these synagogues, in one of the shuls, one of the ancient shuls that... I just closed my eyes for a second and said, you know, how many centuries of Jews sat where I sat and davened the same from the same Siddur or maybe the same Nusach that I did. And, you know, doing doing Bricka Kohanim in front of that shul that you have to open up with a the master key to do Peticha and and all the, the, the history that went into that shul was amazing. You know, at one point, Simon got an Aaliyah standing up, and you turned to me, and he said, only if I had a camera right. to take a picture. That was unbelievable. By him standing right by the Torah, you're looking up, and it's, it's remarkable. Remarkable. It really, really was remarkable to see that you know, and also like the the way they did Hagbar. You know, right. like the, all the all the different. We have never seen Hagbar never, like that. Before. Never. I never. I have never seen it. <laughs> it's amazing to see, and the fact that you know, like little kids, and you know, as as Simon said, so many different languages. So many people came to me that were that were speaking Persian, and they said, you know, like I walked to the to the pizza store, and I see, oh, Joe, you know, like uh, <laughs> how do you know, you know, like who, who like whatever, like they they they. And just like the achter that's in here, and the way that you made the achter here, I thought it was amazing. Like you know, the Lubavitch, the Chabad, the, every single different type of Jew that walked in and saw what you were doing, they were amazed. And and the Chazan this morning comes to me, he goes, "Tell Nachum that we got to come here every two three months." <laughs> that's what he said. The Chazan well. of the Shul said, "You have no idea what what it meant for them to have this concert." I guess we made an impression on him. You definitely did. Special. I'm sorry. Not only him. I think the whole community. I really Baruch did. Hashem. Special thank you to Simon Jacob, Dr. Joe Rosazada, everybody. And we will wrap things up coming up at JM in the AM. And a special, of course, thank you to Barry Jacob and Lori Rosazada, who accompanied their husbands on this unique Jewish Unity Initiative. Simcha Liner is next. More coming up. Thank you both. More coming up at JM in the AM.
a.m. in the a.m. Ready to wrap things up from Venice. What a Jewish unity initiative it's been. Mark Zamek, join uh, me, please. Mary Malwalek, join me, please. As we close out a um, another amazing Jewish unity initiative, this time to Venice, Italy. Big thank you to our friends at Bartonura. Uh, a big thank you to our American chairman, Mr. Leon Goldenberg. A big thank you to the Kedem Wine Corporation and everybody who found this trip to be worthwhile. I think that between the... Um, Matzah Shabbos Malava Malka that we presented here for the community and everything that we've learned and the people that we've met and the chizuk that we've given uh, to leaders and uh, and residents of Venice. This has been a very successful venture. Mark Zamek, your thoughts as we wrap things up from Venice. So the first thought is, I don't know if agrees with this, but because we've been around for a few years doing these things, and I always feel a tinge of guilt when I get home to tell Rochelle what we had gone through, right? Especially, you know, have a good time, everyone, you know, you know, and so at least this trip, there's zero guilt Mm -hmm. because we're able to have our spouses here. I know you feel the same to be able to share it with everybody. This was such a great weekend to be able to do that. So thank you everybody for, for arranging that. Look, I I don't think that you compare this to Paris. I think it was very, very different, but again, this, the, the, the theme of it holds up and, and, you know, you come into a community and I think it was true to some extent in Paris. And I think it's true to some extent here. Everybody has their little, you know, they've been here, they have their little groups of people, but when we walk in the room, it all seems to melt away. And, you know, we saw here at the concert, no matter what, you know, the different communities or different groups, whether they're religious or not religious or whatever it is, that music, as Simon said, a number of other people said, sort of makes it all melt away, whether it's here in Paris or, or anywhere else. And I think it, um, you know, it's a testament to the vision and the dream of what we're doing to be able to to be able to pull it off. It really is. It's hard to put into the words here now that we're not even officially over with it yet. Um, but you know, you have to let it let it sink in. But to some extent, the Paris thing still hasn't completely sunk in. Oh, that's in. true. Well, so. I thanked our amazing team before. I thank you for uh, all your help. Oh, it's my pleasure. I I I, and after. I, uh, I appreciate the freedom that you give me to tell you what to do <laughs> and I appreciate you um, as often as I get away with taking you out of your comfort zone um, and get, then giving you back your comfort zone um, to uh, to try to just bring it bring it all to as much as we can to the listeners and I think and whether it's up or now or whatever it is everybody really has to go back and watch the video of the concert and watch the video of yesterday's show and watch the video of today's show when you have the time just to see Jewish Venice and just to see really Venice coming to life. Mary Malwalek, final minute. What do you think? Um, so much has already been said and I certainly do not want to repeat but I guess what I'm feeling right now is a tremendous amount of pride. I am incredibly proud of the work that we do. I'm incredibly proud of the work that we do on a normal given Tuesday. But um, this is an unbelievably unique opportunity there is no one else besides you on the planet who could spearhead something like this that people could rally behind, that people could connect to the way that they do. That's true about any JM in the AM, but it is certainly true when we go on the road, whether it's to JEC or whether it's to Venice or whether it's to the Pinachama. And the besides that your team thanks you, your listeners thank you for bringing their Jewish world closer and for allowing them to interact with Jewish life in, a, in an intimate way way that they would never be able to do so it's it's 
it's a tremendous amount of pride, and I thank you for that opportunity. And I thank you for helping me lead this effort, and we should continue to go from strength Amen. to strength. Achenu Israel and Achim brothers and sisters of Israel, we are with you. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program, heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial, broadcasting from Venice, around the world on the web at jmnam.org. And on the NSN app, and as you hear Hatikva in the background, a song that unites, a song that wrapped up our evening on Saturday night, a song that continues to be the theme of this radio presentation. I remind you that we are back in studio Wednesday morning, tomorrow at JM in the AM. Continue to listen all day long at jmnam.org and, of course, on the NSN app. And comment away during all of our programming. Get ready for our big transition as we go all digital in just a few days. Make sure you have the NSN app and that all of your methods of tuning in, whether it be web radio or the website uh, or uh, special, uh, not special, but uh, your uh, auxiliary cable or Bluetooth in your car is all set up so you're ready for our transition. Uh, From Venice, it's Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.